0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host JL Covan. It is 1018 a.m. Eastern on December 5th in the year of our Lord 2022. I am hopped up on dark chocolate, green tea, and walnuts. So you know this is going to be a hot fire episode. All sorts of uh, flavonoids, antioxidants, anti-inflammatories running through my veins. My taste buds hate me because I just put dark chocolate and forest feces walnuts on them. But yeah, let's get to this episode. Uh, work is still slow, uh, both comedically and uh, legally. So I'm just, uh, you know, I don't want to call my shot here, like Babe Ruth or Jake Taylor in Major League. But um, it just feels like 2023. Uh the money seems to be. I don't know. I hope not, but I feel like I could get laid off in 2023, and it's not just me. I feel like there could be like sizable layoffs. Maybe I'm wrong, but when you enter your fourth month without billing an hour at your law firm because work is so slow, uh, I think that's bad harbinger for the economy. I think people, I think a lot of businesses, big businesses and things, are are holding off on mergers and lawsuits and bankruptcies and whatever the else that. No, not bankruptcies, but because. Uh, you know, I feel like legal costs and legal work is sort of a canary in the larger economic coal mine. And I work for a very large firm. And, you know, I've had stretches of like two weeks off over the course of my three plus years of employment. But oh, and by the way, um, if I make it to the end of the year, it'll be the longest I've ever held one job in my life that wasn't comedy, where I've never held a job because um, I'm an independent contractor. And um Fluffer basically in the comedy business, but um, yeah, I, I was three years, four months at the DA's office when I got out of law school. And this job uh, I started the last week of August, so if I make it to January 1st, it will be the longest I've ever held one job. So, how about that? History in the making, folks. And it's only been the most stressful time in my life because by some miracle, seven months after I started that job my comedy career, uh, made a rapid turn, um, before rapidly turning again, uh, to a fiery descent, um, which is where we are now. We are in the rubble and wreckage of flight JLC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, um, I got a, I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about today. Uh, What should we start with guys? Good news or bad news? Just kidding. It's all bad news. No, there's good news as well. The Lord is risen. Have you not heard the good news? Well, you just did boom. Faith talk with JL Covan. You can hear it on Sirius XM, the Catholic channel. Uh, I want to give you some good news first. Okay. This weekend, I saw the third edit of half blackface. And let me tell you something, guys. There won't be a fourth edit because we finally did it. We finally did it. Like a James Cameron movie after what feels like decades but is only uh, a, a little over a year. I finally, and Cookie's growling because my next door neighbor is moving and she feels like she needs to be vocal about this, which she doesn't. Please stop, Cookie. You're not tough. You're the biggest coward I know yeah anyway cookie's voicing her displeasure at the noise in the hallway as she as she does um but it's done it's not done in terms of artwork closing credits like all that stuff but it is done i have seen and approved a final edit for content and uh I got to say, I don't want to boost it too much because we all know how I feel about the greatest set anyone on planet Earth has ever had. And that was, of course, October 23rd, 2021 at the Triad Theater, the first taping of Half Blackface, which will be the album, was the, uh, you know, I would argue it was the greatest set in comedy history, certainly in my career. Uh, But having seen the video for Half Blackface based on the May taping, I've watched that set. I think seven times and it's always a nerve wracking experience because you just expect to hate your own work at some point, either the first time you watch you go, Oh, why, why why did I think that was better than it was? But especially when you're like watching for nitpicking on the seventh viewing, you just expect to sort of be like, okay, it's, it's, well, hopefully people aren't bored of it that, you know, hopefully the people who haven't seen it, which is almost everybody, uh, loves it as a fresh take. But I certainly fucking hate this thing now that I'm. Now that I've seen it so many times, I can't wait to move on. Well, let me tell you something. Seventh viewing of Half Blackface, I fucking love it. I'm still, like, I really think it's just, it's sharp, it's good, it's edited well, it looks good. So, that's it, folks. Now we move on to contract and adding graphics and then the sales pitch. And uh, the agent for it uh, made his, uh, you know, caveat. He was like, he made two cuts. One is 1080, which is just standard HD, and the other is 4K, which is what platforms will require. Like a Netflix, and HBO, they'll require the 4K. But he did a 1080 just to showcase maybe different angles because, as I've said before, the first taping we don't have to get into for the 900th time on the catastrophic technical errors uh, that were present and not told to me until two and a half months later, which hindered my ability to get bookings and... Um, be sharp for the second taping, or as sharp as I could be. We don't have to re- re- go through that. That's, that will forever remain a, a deep well of mistrust and trauma as far as my comedy career is concerned, and I wish I was not exaggerating. But, um, you know, when it's the biggest night of your comedy career and, and it goes well and then somebody doesn't tell you the truth about it for two and a half months sits on the fact that the and, – and you could have booked gigs and produced it, a reshoot sooner after a tour of gigs – it sort of hurts because it's, it's it's literally insult to injury, and um, but the second taping had a camera snafu as well, so we were limited to one show, obviously, because I don't sell fucking tickets, and two cameras instead of three. So it took some some real technical savvy to make the edits, um, which is sort of why it was maybe a little longer than it should have been. Um, once again, presented to me as a I don't know why it's taking so long. Well, now I know because I' you know now I've gotten the information from the, from directly from the source and realized it was because it was a harder technical pull because of the limitations from technical errors. So they used the footage to create like different angles and stuff, but they could only do that at a 1080. So if this ends up just going to not, you know being sold by like you know Amazon video and iTunes, then we may use the 1080. But if it goes to a platform, we will use the, ten, the, the 4K. And then he put in parentheses, this is a long shot. And I was like, I know it's a long shot. You don't think I know it's a long shot? Did you have to rub it in? But I guess they want to make sure that the giant psycho behind half blackface doesn't have heightened expectations. But I think listeners of the Righteous Prick podcast know JL couldn't have lower expectations at this point. Um, not afraid of having such low expectations that you wonder, why am I even doing it? Ron Reagan Jr., everybody. Good to have you back, Ronnie RRJ. Um, But so the good news amidst all that cynicism and negativity is that the special content-wise is done. Um, I am very proud of it. Um, My end of the work, I am extremely proud of. Uh, I obviously wish it had gone a 100 times better um, in so many ways, but I just hope that means that By January, it is either being offered or I have an announcement on who will be hosting it. And, of course, I think at this point I would accept gladly accept anybody purchasing it and airing it on their platform. I don't care who it is because it just means potentially reaching more fans than my own who have, you know, largely been a sort of apathetic, frugal bunch. Which you never... Apathy and frugality are are a bad combo for a comedian's fan base, but I and, and when you throw in social media um, shadow banning, you' really got a triple threat there of, of of putting your comedy career on life support. I have the best fans in the world. They don't spend money, they don't really care, and half most of them don't even see the content to begin with and never do a deep dive like going to my website or any other social media platform to find my content. But I love them. They have built me up, and I am so proud to have Jailbirds. That's the name of my fan base, by the way. Um, What's Swifties and the Beehive? Well, mine are Jailbirds, but it's not spelled J-A-I-L. It's just J-L-B-I-R-D-S, Jailbirds. You just got to say it real quick. And that's based on my father, my Haitian father, when a uh, teammate of mine, Andrew, called the summer after freshman year, called my house just to say what's up. And uh, he said, hey, is J-L there? And my dad went, Jail? Why is somebody calling for Jail? I said, oh, that's me. And he goes, oh, Jean-Louis. And uh, and then from that moment on, for the next, uh, I guess, 15, 16 remaining years. No, I'm sorry. Like remaining 18 years of his life, when he would call me JL, he would say it uh, laughingly. Uh, He would be like, JL, JL. Like very sarcastic. Like, I can't believe my son is catering to ignorant Americans by shortening his name. We're not... We're not Indian. We don't have to shorten our nine hundred consonant names to something like Dave. You're Jean-Louis. It's French. It's a real language. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a significant world language, and people in a cosmopolitan place like New York should be able to pronounce it, and they can't. So I go by JL. JL is a real capitulation to the collective ignorance of America. So sell out I am in some respect but my dad would always go jail jail and he always had that tone um, of you know how pathetic you weak-kneed bitch stand up say your name as Karen on the right the black guy who tips would say with your chest Jean-Louis that's my name and then you get older and women who want to seem cultured are like I love your name Jean-Louis and I'm like well you know what it would have been helpful if you were announcing basketball games in Division Three basketball. So I wouldn't have been afraid of somebody calling me Gene Lewis for two. And that's how arrogant I was. I thought I was going to be scoring so many points in college that like announcers would just be like, Gene Lewis, Gene Lewis. I'd be like, oh my God, I dropped 42. Could you have learned my name by the end of the game? Jeez. But instead, I was a very jacked uh, bench warmer for most of my career. So um, you know, they knew my name in the weight room, motherfucker, but not on any scoreboards. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, guys, the special. So let's look forward to it, I guess. Hey, uh, if Tubi or Fucky or Kobe or Doobie uh, want to buy it, great. Any anything with a new avenue to fans that aren't currently my fans, because I really need to find a different uh stream of fans. Uh. My Patreon made a major dip. I think I lost like six, like I lost like five or six percent of my Patreon subscribers this month. So um, that's another thing that will probably die soon. Uh, I thank the people who are supporting it. Um, it loses money for me basically overall. I think it's been almost a money loser because of certain editing costs I've had during some of the months. But that's par for the course. I don't do comedy business well, um, and I'm not ending it yet. Uh, but it's just, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a a non-profit (laughs) as, as, as much as my comedy career seems to be a a non-profit. Um, it's supposed to be a profit. And so losing a bunch of people, I mean, I've put, you know, I lament this all the time, but it's like, there's a bunch of bonus podcasts That's sort of standard shit for a Patreon. But I really did like, I made a bunch of videos exclusively for it thinking, that all these people who kind of didn't give two shits about my stand-up comedy but loved my impressions—I thought they'd throw down like four dollars a month or something um, for like exclusive sort of series featuring some of their favorite uh, JL Universe characters—and I was wrong. Um, and that's okay. Like, like when I like I said that the example I always use is when I put up the preview for the Mitch McConnell cooking series—it got like twenty thousand views on Twitter, and people were like, "This is amazing! This is a, and I think one person joined like in that week. So it's just, it's not working. It's, it's like, I'm not good at the comedy business. I haven't attracted the, the, the fan ba- a fan base that's like sort of translates into ticket sales or, or purchases. So, you know, at this point when you, when you sort of have to realize you're a, you're a, a sort of uh distraction, like a, like a, like a, you know, chewing a pen cap or chewing gum or masturbation, like, you know, I, those are all important things for people to do as well. But um, it's just not a good business model for my career. So we'll see how long, obviously, I want to keep the Patreon alive uh, from a business standpoint, um, and continue to produce stuff for it until uh, um, the special is released somewhere. Because it would always be nice to have like, some of these like more stand up fans who maybe are familiar or engaged in, Patreon type stuff to have an opportunity to to see more stuff by me but if that you know if that doesn't happen or when that happens and it fails like everything else then I'll I'll shut down the Patreon and I'll shut down uh making podcasts great again um which is another avenue where I just go we got all these we got these like thousands of listeners and I just no matter how many times I pitch it's just we don't we don't add Patreon subscribers um so whatever it's it is what it is it's just it's just F- the facts. No judgment. It's, um, you know, I, I had a good run. Uh, it's not the run I anticipated. It's in, in hindsight, it's not really the run I would have wanted. I wouldn't have wanted to be um, competing with with a lip syncer. I wouldn't want that to be the way that my career ends. I wish I could have like, shut my shit down on its own terms, uh, not with a shadow banning and lip syncing being sort of the things that that hurt my career um but hey that's that's what it is so uh that's the way i announce good news guys it's like 30 seconds of good news and 14 minutes of but even despite that good news um you know my comedy career is responding to the chemo but we're still going to have to amputate your heart <laughs> We're still gonna have to remove your heart and brain. But um, so far, the comedy chemo is working. So that's the good news, jail. The bad news is by your 44th birthday in April, you'll probably be done with comedy again, because um, it's a stupid business and the country is full of stupid people. And, uh, you know, stupid, stupid and stupid is no way to go through a comedy career to paraphrase Animal House. So um, that's the good news about the special. How about that, guys? If you think that's good news, wait till I get to the bad news. Um, my albums, my life's work, the, the children, the closest thing to children I have other than Cookie. Um, it's been my adult life's work uh, creating these albums. I have great pride in my quality and volume of work. Racial Chameleon. Just for anybody who's bought the uh, USB cards, this is the order, because because I can give you my order of rank of albums and then my chronological order. So if you want to see the J. L. Comedic Universe develop, my voice, how I change, how I get better, how I take on different things, it's Racial Chameleon, two thousand six, Diamond Maker, two thousand eight, Too Big to Fail, two thousand eleven. I'm sorry, two thousand twelve. Keep My Enemies Closer, twenty thirteen. Israeli Tortoise 2016 and Thoughts and Prayers 2018 and Half Blackface um, 2047, apparently. But um, just kidding, I guess 2023, folks. Um, But those six albums have made me six figures between streaming royalties and sales, mostly streaming royalties. But those those albums have made me, you know, uh, probably between merch sales, streaming royalties and online sales. And I've probably made. You Know obviously that's a 15 year pace, but I've probably made between 120 and 150 thousand ca- dollars career off of those albums, and of course, that's a place to point people to when they want to hear more of your stand up. You can just say, Hey, well, check out Stream or buy my albums. Um, well, it came to my attention thanks to a fan, Kane. Uh, great name. Uh, Kane is able to tell me when my albums are not on streaming platforms, so he said to me. Um, hey, JL, uh, your uh, your stuff has disappeared off Apple Music. Um, and I was like, that's interesting. Hmm, I wonder why that is. And then it can then as that opened the floodgates um, and I found out that my all six of my albums were off of all streaming platforms. That meaning, Pan, I knew they were off Pandora um, because that's related to the SiriusXM litigation. Uh, so that Bothers me, but is I have an explanation, so I'm not like disturbed, I'm just like, man, fuck, I can't wait till stuff is back up there. Um, and serious, I'm sorry, Spotify, they've been off for a long time. And I don't even want to put my stuff on Spotify anyway, anymore. But that that related to that litigation. Also, they just booted like a ton of comedy content off because they 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 prefer the business model where they play your stuff and pay you nothing, or next to nothing. But Apple Music title. Um, YouTube music, uh, Amazon music, all disappeared, all gone. And people were like, oh, your Trump albums are still there. I go, yeah, not stand-up. Thank you. I said stand-up. Those were produced by a third party. So that third party's content is still up on all platforms. So you can listen to Fireside Craps 1 and 2 on everything. But those aren't my stand-ups. And those um, are very important to me from a uh, content perspective. King king. And a uh, marketing standpoint, and a way to keep fans engaged, or tell new fans where they can hear stuff. If they do, if they're among the 13 to 15 people who do like my standup, they're all gone, and I can't get an answer. I have contacted CD Baby, which is the uh, the, the the place that basically um, produces and up uplo- like like loads of. So CD Baby, I believe, is the right place to go. And I've been waiting for an answer for like five days from them and counting. Um but it's very distressing as you can imagine because it starts as I've said it starts to feel like the paranoia is not paranoia like why is my stuff gone what the fuck is that so my special has problems I get shadow banned um all my stand up albums are like basically unpurchasable or unstreamable like what what the fuck like that like that's very distressing because it just starts to be like like I joked I th- was it the book of JL. I was joking the other the other week was it last week about like, my comedy career feeling like like the book of Job. And and I was not done. Apparently, apparently, there was like more bad news, which is all the albums being gone. Like, I feel erased. If I say that will progressive Twitter back me up like jail has been erased. Is this about identity? Oh, it's about his comedy? Well, we don't do that. We do metaphorical erasure, not literal erasure. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's actually the really distressing news. Um, because I don't have to explain it. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, it's just how many, how many, how many ways am I, am I going to get fucked in this, in this world of comedy? Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't get it. Like, is this, like I said last week, is this God just being like, JL, you promised if, we f- if I fucked up the October taping, you were done with comedy. You were meant to open up a home for special needs kids and use your talents and energy and hostility to make lives of, um, of other people better, not to entertain stupid Americans who don't get jokes. That's not your mission in life, said the Lord. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is maybe I've I've gone back on my word uh, uh with God and I'm being punished. Does this sound too weird? It sounds a little weird, but you reach a point where you go um I'm not sure any more bad things can happen to my comedy career, so it's starting to feel kind of odd and on purpose. <laughs> so, yeah, that's but other than that everything's good. Other than um, you know, my life's work and my career being in shambles. Uh, it's you know we're happy. We're happy. Did I mention my Patreon? Hey guys, go check out Patreon.com/slash JL Covan. This is the time to do it in case I end it because out of spite I'll fucking destroy all the content I made on the Patreon just to be like nobody gets to see it. I will. I I will cut off my head to spite my face. Weak people cut off their nose to spite their face. I'm a spite king. I'll cut off my head to spite my ear. That's how spiteful I am. So this Patreon content will vanish. I will do that. I will take my Patreon content like a Texas mother hearing messages from the beyond, and I will drown my toddler content in a river in Texas And until I become a national true crime story. JL, Jean-Louis Covan originally from Louisiana moved to Houston and started hearing voices from the devil saying, quit comedy. It might've been God actually, because nobody liked his comedy. So it might've been the Lord sending that message, but either way, he eventually drove into a lake with his six albums and the six master copies of his albums. Now that they've been taken off of streaming uh, platforms and all his Patreon content on a USB drive, and he drove it into a lake and was heard screaming, the Lord wants me to kill my babies. And he swam out of the lake. And a passerby noticed uh, the car, uh, a Tesla, because he believed in clean energy, bubbling into the lake and called the police. And when the police dragged it out, we called detectives from, from Comedy Central who were able through forensics to discover that in fact it was patreon content and it was no longer because of the water it was no longer salvageable so he had murdered all his patreon content and the six masters he had broken the cds so they were dead before they had an opportunity to drown in the houston lake but he is now being held on charges of comedy infanticide and um will be arraigned shortly in a a Houston courtroom for, for comedy slaughter. It's a very sad ending to this story, and we will keep you updated with more news as we receive it. Back to the studio, Jim. Well, that was crazy. Wow. He really puts the laughter in manslaughter. Too soon, Deborah. Okay. Well, coming up next, dogs, man's best friend, or fuck buddies, you decide. Okay, guys, that was my news from hell segment. So that was fun. So um, Patreon and the bank and bang and the king Anyway, guys, I'm losing my mind here, and I hope you're enjoying it. But um, I do have some shows coming up. I just and, and what's weird about me is is now I had a show on the Upper West Side. Um, where in the hell are you from johnny upper west side ghostbusters 2 guys look it up good movie very underrated um but i had shown the upper west side it was a late show um and i just went into the city and went to the tiktok diner by penn station had a waffle and a tea and finished reading my jim thorpe biography and uh and then I went and did the show and I was really tired because my health issues are, are still still here. Um, my neck is getting a little sore. I'm really fatigued. So I have my checkup on, on my, my annual physical on Wednesday in part for preparation for shoulder surgery on the 21st. So I might be short on some can't the week of the 20th uh, the week of the 19th because i'm having shoulder surgery but maybe i can record some king from the hospital surgery recovery room and Be like, what's up guys this goes out to all my fans i just had shoulder surgery they just gave me some oxy so i'm gonna go home and get high and recover and uh thank you for all the prayer emojis and the blessings like i, I love you guys you guys are the best all three of you watching this Instagram live, you you give me strength. So thank you. Um, peace out, guys. Bye. Um, but <laughs> um, I did the show. It was a really good crowd, really good lineup, Chris Lamberth, uh, friend of the show, friend of the pod, uh, friend of the show, friend of the pod, no friend and show friend of the show friend in real life. That's the way I refer to my friends, uh, who are also comedians. Uh, and then I went up. And I like was like, I think I'm having a good set. But I left I didn't share this with anybody, but I was like, I fucking ate a dick. I sucked. I fucking sucked. And then I watched the tape, and this has been happening with me a lot. I had a really good set. And the crowd was really like good. They were good for everybody. But like it was late and I was I was going on. I ran the light by about twelve minutes. But it was a good set with like a lot of new material. And I'm just there's such a disconnect now between like how i feel about how i'm doing and then watching it again and going oh that that was pretty good and i think maybe that just speaks to my despondency about comedy like i'm not even like i enjoy it for my own but i feel like almost disconnected from the crowd now because when i watched it this morning i was like eh, that was a pretty good set and i'm really like some of the new material is fucking good shit like like good enough that i'm like transcribing the set because i want to remember like a lot of the bits i did As we approach March 31st and April 1st, The Hateful Eighth, JL's Eighth Hour, Triad Theater, New York City. Um, Just in case anybody's coming from out of town, hold off for a second. I know some people will be coming in from out of town. The only thing I will warn you is I'm still looking to see if they can hook me up with a one Saturday, two shows in April. Because April 1st, it would be a 930 show, which is fine. But I think if you listen to the show, you know that I'd like to do a second taping. Um, even though I never did a second taping really, but I've been scarred by half blackface, the experience of half Blackface, that I'm like, let's do a second taping. <laughs> you never know what's gonna happen in my career, but it's always gonna be bad. But the only one they have is Friday 9:30, March 31st, which works, of course, but I'm wary of doing a late Friday show because I'm fucking exhausted on Friday nights. And I don't want that energy. So I'm looking for a 7 and 9.30 Saturday in April. But if they can accommodate that, I will do March 31st and April 1st. But I will I will confirm that. Once once you see the graphics, you know, like promoting the show, then you'll know I've locked in a date or dates. So, but just something to pencil in. But as far as other shows, uh, I don't know what the fuck I was just talking about. But um, uh, I've got... Oh yeah, but just my disconnect from like oh I actually did did well and like was happy with the material, but um, I did I never feel that way anymore, which is which is weird. I think I've been I think ever since half blackface the first taping where I just was euphoric in a way that I hadn't been for like at least a decade about comedy. Um, I think now I'm, my system is just like do not get excited about any jokes or any shows because they will take it away from you. Um, But uh, Mameranek, December 17th, theater show. Uh, It's a fixed amount. I'm getting paid. So it's not like the more people that show up, the better. But I I know, I don't know who listens to this fucking podcast, but I know I have a lot of friends who moved north of the city, you know, for fucking houses and because they had lots of money and whatever. So I hope all those people in Westchester and beyond who live like within 45 minutes of the Emmeline Theater in Mameranek can make it out to the show. Uh, It'd be cool. And then maybe I sell some merch after and, you know, I get a nice check and a little bit extra money from the merch and we all have a good time. So December 17th uh, at the Emelin, if if I'm pronouncing that right, theater in Mamaronek. January 6th and 7th, I'm at the uh, brokerage in Long Island and January 19th, I'm in Pittsburgh. And right now I've just confirmed, uh, don't have a ticket link yet, but Boston back at city winery in Boston, uh, March 3rd, which is a Friday. So March 3rd, Boston city, city winery in Boston. Um, I'll put it up on my website and promote it when I have a ticket link. Um, and I'm just working on a bunch of other gigs. I, I, um, but as I've said, I won't lament this too much, but you know, a lot of the clubs that booked me in 2022, uh, I sold OK, but I didn't sell enough for them to give a shit, which is which is it's nobody's fault. But collectively, it's sort of like if you like a comedian and he's really trying to fucking break out, you, you got to go see him live. Um, that's 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 how you keep getting to see him live. Um, see me live so I can live. That's called poetry. Not afraid of pronouncing a word two different ways. I think that's called a homonym. Um, and that was Gay Slander by JL, who insinuated last week that I was gay. But in fact, I'm not telling. Not afraid of keeping up the sexual ambiguity. I'm Ron Reagan. Not afraid of burning in hell. So uh, I'm trying to get Ohio gigs. I'm trying to get Florida gigs. I'm trying to get North Carolina gigs, DC gigs, Philly gigs, West coast gigs, Utah gigs. And I'm kind of Atlanta gigs and I'm kind of striking out, um, which I struck out so much in like 2019 that that's basically why I took the day job that I have now, because I was just like, I can't keep relying on like the, 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 the kindness of comedy booking strangers, I just have to get a job and like, be like, it's like, in other words, it was like, I was in a position where I was like, basically, I need luck right now, not hard work, not free time for my comedy career to blow up. So I was like, well, if I don't need free time (laughs) to keep sitting around hoping people reply to emails, I might as well just have a good day job and be like, I'll worry about that. I'll worry, I'll use my vacation time and worry about that when clubs actually start writing back to me. So I'm trying to get back to... All these places that I really like, but it's not happening. And there's going to be, I think, a February Chicago date, City Winery in Chicago. Um, so if you're a Chicago listener, please, you know, just, just put a big pencil mark around the entire month of February and say, we cannot go anywhere. <laughs> we must stay in the state of Illinois and in the city of the greater Chicago area because JL will be here at some point in this month. It's the shortest month so we can afford it to not go on vacation during these measly 28 days. But, um, that's, uh, those are the gigs right now. So as I've said repeatedly, um, a lot hinges on half blackface, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not for lack of quality that half blackface is, is, is going to fail, but you know, odds are it's not going to do what I need it to do, but you know. Like I always say, if I'm still doing comedy, then I'm doing comedy. When I stop doing comedy, I stop doing comedy. But there's no in-between where I'm like, I'm kind of dabbling. No, it's until that special fails. And when my eighth hour comes and goes without any fanfare or hype or revenue boost, then we just hang it up. We say, okay, 2020, 2023, June 2023 will be an interesting time because that'll be 20 years. And I'd love to release the eighth hour on June 2nd, my uncle, my deceased uncle's birthday, but also the first day I ever did stand up. Tacoma Station Tavern, Washington DC, June sec- Monday, June 2nd, 2003. Um, do I remember that date? No, but I just remember it was the first Monday of June in 2003. So I looked it up and it happened to be June 2nd. Um, it'd be good uh, to release that eighth hour then. And maybe, maybe that is, I, I'm, I know I'm the boy who cried retirement, but you know, I think you hear it now. This is a real, this is a real, um, moment, I guess the next few months or the next half a year will be a real moment for my comedy career because it's, it's, it's whether I have a career or not. That's all it's, it's not, Oh, I fucking hate as much as I bitch and moan. It's, it's basically going to be, well, do I have a career or don't I? Cause 20 years is enough time, especially with real concrete accomplishments, notoriety, press coverage, quality. That's that's an, more than enough time to assess whether you have a career. And if I'm looking at my my, you know, if my 2023 projected income from comedy is like 39,000 bucks, not to shit on that, I'm proud of that of every dollar I fucking make as a comedian, but that ain't enough for me to live as a full-time comedian, which means it's it's a rap. And that's I'm not saying these specific dollar amounts to like make any kind of specific economic point. I'm just saying if after twenty years of hard work of good quality comedy of a varied skill set within comedy and a lot of followers and uh, uh, notice from from press and and success on different platforms in different ways, but if i still if if after that I can't sustain. A career, then I'm I'm done as a I I, I refuse to be a part timer. I just have to do something else with my life. And and you know, as psychotic as this might sound, yeah, I might fucking try to write a book, um, and make that my sort of passion project and put my my skills and 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 side hustle into that. Um, but I think stand up comedy will have will have run its course. I can't believe I'm saying that to a certain degree because I I. I can't believe that I haven't succeeded, um, to the degree that I think I should, but, but facts are facts. And as Ben Shapiro said, they don't care about your feelings. So, uh, you know, like I said, this was a good news podcast, but let's talk about some more fun stuff. And I came up with a new bit today. We were uh, The Righteous Girlfriend and I share a particular distaste for Dave Matthews' band. I don't know how they ever became so big. I find them annoying. I make one exception for the song Two Step. Mainly because the first two minutes of that song sound like a fucking haunting western. Like somebody's chasing you. It's like... Like it's just... It, I love I, I love the, the beginning of Two Step. And I put up with the rest of the song because I like the beginning so much. But other than that, I find it like i I joked with her and i got her to laugh guys i got her to laugh maybe that's why i'm such a good mood today but i got her to laugh because i said i was describing dave matthews because i need a pivot from my marvel bit because people aren't enjoying me taking down marvel where i'm just like "It's it's enough with marvel i think and i'm gonna stick with it because i'm a truth teller guys i'm gonna stick with shitting on marvel not any individual movie but at this point um, it's just too much to quote Dave Matthews, you make too much, but it's too much. It's too much. It's gluttony. It's now people are sort of conditioned, um, to just keep going more mother, more, more, like, like it's, it's too much. And I think people are caught in a loop and, and they've. They've got caught in the it's not art, it's content kind of thing, where it's like, now Marvel is your part-time job. Like, you may enjoy it, but you also feel a compulsion at this point. I, maybe that's what the track would be called, Marvel Compulsion Syndrome. You've got a case of MCS. But um, I, uh, I figured maybe I can shit on something that people liked in my day when I was a young man as a way of, like, a, a, a peace offering. Like, hey, we had shit that was overblown, too. Like, Dave Matthews' band. I was like, who the fuck... Who the fuck thought a band with, like, a tuba player, which is also known in, in jazz as the fart machine, uh, a violinist, a percussionist, a guitarist, and a lead vocalist uh, who sounds like Jar Jar Banks. How the fuck did that ever become popular? And then I just started singing... Dave Matthews songs. Who there? Here's Dave Matthews. And then I said, "What if we just do uh, replace him with Jar Jar Binks? Not much of a difference." to crash, uh, crash into me, and I was doing that and had her laughing. So expect expect me as I fade into oblivion as a comedian to really lean into the the most annoying facets of my skill set. And uh, Jar Jar, you know, Dave Dave Binks will probably be the title of that track when I'm just, like, um, doing my Dave Matthews Jar Jar Binks roast. And people will laugh, even though if I were watching my own set, I'd go, that's funny, but Jar Jar Binks is, like, 20 years ago and Dave Matthews is, like, 25 years ago. Are we really that fucking hyped up on nostalgia? Speaking of nostalgia, The Righteous Girlfriend added uh, Wednesday to the uh, Netflix list, or as I like to call it, since I'm old school, the way, the Q. Um, And I saw that Wednesday broke Stranger Things 4's record, Stranger Things season 4's record for like most hours consumed in a first week. So it's like technically it's had the most popular first week of any Netflix program ever. And I was just like... I'm reading my timeline and people are shitting on Tim Burton and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the Adams Family was okay. Like, it was okay. And I'm just like, but we are now, the, the key to entertainment at this point is, and I think South Park did this with like Mamba Berries. Remember that? That's really where we are. They, they really nailed it with that because I feel like it's like, remember Adams Family? Yeah, I'll watch it. Here's my thing. Yeah, I saw the Adams Family because I was like twelve and fourteen, and it was like, oh, those are big holiday movies. I'm like, I'm gonna go give some fucking gummy bears, some popcorn, and watch a fucking hour and forty five minute movie, kind of geared towards me and like my age group. And then at the end of it, I was like, that was okay. And then I went and saw the sequel, and I was like, mm, that was a little better. I actually liked the sequel better. They actually, it was, if I'm not mistaken, Adams Family Values was like the first and only movie to ever attempt to make Joan Cusack hot. I mean no disrespect. Uh, John Cusack, her brother is a is an ardent follower of mine on social media and has shared many of my things. Um, but I remember just thinking Joan Cusack, she kind of has this like weird, annoying voice with a lisp and she's like, a good comedic actress. But then in that movie, she was like, Oh, I have tits and legs. So they're gonna get them in Adams family values. Um, and obviously the greatest, the greatest holy shit moment though, in in Hollywood history, the greatest. This is why Jamie Lee Curtis is a legend to me. Because in True Lies, it's the it's the greatest and arguably only Hollywood, that dorky chick is actually a smoke show. Because for whatever reason, Jamie Lee Curtis, the wardrobe, was so great in True Lies that it was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is married to her? Like, she's like, nerdy and annoying and like, not hot. And then when she has to like, do that, she's like smoking hot later in that movie when she like is and even and and it's a great kind of pivot because arnold it's a you if you've seen true lies you know what i'm talking about but that is the greatest like wait i completely believe that jamie lee curtis is unattractive in the beginning of this movie and then i'm like that's the hottest woman on earth in the same movie and it's convincing um but yeah true lies whoo Great movie, True Lies. Great, one of Arnold's best, for sure. And Jamie Lee Curtis, that's... Uh, I know people might highlight Halloween or whatever else, but to me, when Jamie Lee Curtis passes, and hopefully it's not for a long time, uh, I want like her in that dress with her slicked-back hair in True Lies to be like the main photo that they post. Because if you can't jerk off to an obituary, is it really honoring the person? I say no. Anywho, guys... Um, oh, yeah, and I also – did I tell you last week? I can't remember if I said – if this happened last week. Maybe I talked about it on I – I don't know when I talked about it, but I got a call from the, the Howard Stern Show. They want me to submit some, uh, some some, some, quick samples of impressions. So, hey, look at that, guys. Just when you thought I was out, they jerk me off and don't pull me back in. But we'll do that. Um, we'll do Andrew Cuomo, Eric Adams, New York, Mayor – Chris Wallace, I'm talking to Gloria Stefan tonight, and I'm going to ask her the tough questions. Is the rhythm going to get you, and is it going to get you tonight? You'll find out on Who's Talking to Chris Wallace. This might be a tough one to do over the radio, but you know what? That's what you get. Don Ju- Don Junior, I feel like is is like less good. On, it's like okay on the vocals, but like Joe Biden, Joe Biden, that's what we're doing. Hunter Biden, uh, you know. So okay, so his dad loves him, and he has a bigger dick than me. But like that's what we're gonna do. What about China? What about China, Hunter? Um, and then, then I need to get into the. So, I won't say anything about the Jews because that's not okay but I will destroy the trans community. That is an in itself. My name is Dave Chappelle, and I'm, you know, so I'll do that. And then Mike Lindell, maybe Kavanaugh, I think is good, and Cory Booker. So I got to submit a bunch. Oh, um, Scott Pelley, this and more on 60 Minutes. Uh, no, actually there is no and more, Scott Pelley. It's always the three stories. Don't call that the last minute because Andy Rooney died. We're doing the last minute. So when I say and more tonight, on 60 Minutes. That's what I mean. That's not really and more Scott Pelley. That's like barely anymore. It's really just the three stories. So you don't have to say, just say this tonight on 60 Minutes. And probably my favorite impression from 2020 that I did was the Scott Pelley interviewing Donald Trump because I didn't even realize how much I had nailed the Scott Pelley until I took off the glasses. I said, so you're saying you're not in cognitive decline? And it was like him reading the paper and then like even the Righteous Girlfriend laughed the next time Scott Pelley was on. He did the glasses exactly as I had done it, not even quite realizing I was nailing it to a T. But yeah, so we'll submit those to Howard Stern and we'll see if any if I get on for for, you know, some more appearances. As my friend and comedian John Moses said um, when he was talking to me about he was congratulating me on my multiple appearances on Howard Stern. And he just laughed. He said. Back in the day, you got on Howard Stern. You fucking sold out the next weekend, wherever you were, and performing. And he's like, you, nothing. And I was like, yeah, that's that's my magic touch. I need your magic touch. Aerosmith Magic Touch off of Permanent Vacation. My favorite deep cut that nobody ever references because it wasn't a single or anything. But that's one of my favorite Aerosmith songs, Magic Touch. I need your magic touch. Don't you know? I gotta live it and I won't let go. Feel the fire. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so promoted shows. I've talked about Patreon. I've bitched a lot about everything. I talked about Dave Matthews being and Jar Jar Binks. a too much. <laughs> you too much. Too much. Traffic jam. And, yet, and then it just merges. You can't tell if I'm doing Jar Jar Banks or Dave Matthews. Um. Anyway, that's Dave Matthews and Jar Jar two malfunctioning robots. Oh no, is the is the Dave Matthews machine breaking? Uh oh, you know what happens when you die? You shit. Or if you're Dave Matthews, the trombone plays so let's talk about sex boom boom uh what is that salt and pepper no who is let's talk about say B. that's it that was salt and pepper right anyway i could pronounce the hard r in pepper sorry uh is that racist <laughs> salt and pepper <laughs> look at you pepper um well pepper is like a black spice so it really does sound like a surrogate for a uh, a proxy for a racist slur. Anyway, we'll throw that into the next special that nobody will buy. Anywho, guys, I got one review and I got to recap my uh, my uncle adventures with my nephew. My nephew has uh, had a soccer tournament um, with his club team in California because cl- soccer club teams not afraid of bankrupting families for the possibility of getting a college scholarship for their child. Um, and because nobody could chaperone him uh he basically had to had to say no. So my nephew ever the negotiator basically was like, "Well, since I can't do this trip for many thousands of dollars, could you like hook me and my friends up with a uh like we'll go to a football game." So we went to see on my brother's dime. I covered snacks cuz I'm a good uncle and and uh the lift rides. But uh I took my my nephew and three of his friends to uh uh, the Giants game yesterday, which in the in classic J. L. Jinx fashion ended in a tie, so nobody won. We went to the game and no one won. I'll tell you who won the concession stand guy because I gotta give MetLife Stadium its due. Simple concessions. You go to Yankee Stadium, it's a fucking farmers market. It's a four-star Michelin restaurant. It's it's you're like, is there a hot dog anywhere in the stadium? Well, we have a uh, tofu uh, sushi rolls. A hot dog. Oh, yeah, there is like a there's a homeless man with a with a dirty water basket selling hot dogs uh, at section five million and three. Okay, I'll go there for my traditional baseball snack. Well, MetLife, it was just here's your Mrs. Fields cookie stand. Here's your food. One just sells pretzels, hot dogs, peanuts. The other sells hot dogs, hamburgers, pretzels, peanuts. There's one nacho stand, which even that I could get rid of. And, you know, your beer and sausage. It was just like, boom. We've simplified. Now I was in the cheap seats, which I mean, there really are no cheap seats, but it was a pretty good view. You can see I posted on Twitter and Facebook, I think my my, my shot of the field. But um, I just appreciate the simplicity of the snacks. The hot dogs were good. The pretzels were good. I had two cups of hot chocolate because I was cold and I'm a bitch as well as a child. Um, ran into a, a, f- a former coworker from the Bronx DA's office there with his with his son. It was very, very nice to see him. Uh And it was a, it was a fun day and it ended in a tie because wherever I go, um, nobody wins. Like the last time I I went to a baseball game for the first time in three years, uh, this year. And the Yankees were no hit for the first time in 19 years. It's the only baseball game I've been to since like 2018. They got no hit first time in 19 years. Pretty crazy. And then I go to a, my first football game since 2012. I went with an ex-girlfriend to Giants Steelers in 2012. I don't remember what happened, but they won, and uh, that was a fun that was a that was a fun day and night. Uh, and then uh, the game before that, my last game before that, was uh, the tackle that N-word game at Heinz Field. If you're familiar with my blog, in 2009, the last time I saw a Pittsburgh Steeler game in Pittsburgh. 2009. My brother and I had gone for like three years, four years in a row. Haven't been back since. For him, it has to do more with family. For me, it's because I don't like going to stadiums where people yell out racial slurs. Um, So I was already souring a little bit on the football before Kaepernick. But once they blackballed Kaepernick, uh, that was it. But obviously, I'm allowed to chaperone my nephew. We're not going to deny the children for wokeness. Okay, When I'm taking my nephew, wokeness dies. That's my spin on Ron DeSantis. But uh, we sat there and it was a tie and then we got a a lift back. We had to get the lift XL for all of us. And uh, I got to say, being the cool uncle, you try to be the cool uncle, but this is why being a cool parent is a bunch of bullshit. If you're a cool parent, you're a bad parent. I said it. Because... I kept having to tell these kids, take their feet off the seats in front of them. And I'm not one of the, I'm not one of those people. I'm like, I don't care if every fucking animal in here puts their dirty feet on the hand rests and seats in front of them. If they're empty, those are somebody's seats that they paid like a hundred dollars or $200 for. So like, no. So I had to scold them a couple times and I was like, come on, man. Not while I'm like, just take, but, but eventually I gave up and maybe it was because I didn't want to be like the nagging uncle. And that's. That's like the pathway to trying to being a cool parent. But I was just like, no. Stop. And I gave up. I, I, I reprimanded them a couple times, like in a chill way. But I was just like, come on. And they're like, nobody's sitting here. I'm like, but if somebody comes to their seat, I wouldn't want to see somebody's dirty ass feet on my seat that I may have paid like a couple hundred bucks for. But of course, the first few rows in front of us were completely empty. So whoever had those seats never showed up. But it's, it's to me, it's the principle. And I don't. I'm not a big fan. I don't care how many people do it. I feel like putting your feet up on subway seats or, or train or bus seats or taking off your shoes at a fucking movie or putting it, it's, it's all fucking disgusting. It's just like, you know, and that's what I always say when people go, "Oh, Oh, I'm not hurting anybody. I go, is that the standard now for proper social behavior? I'm not hurting anybody so I can fucking, you know, Hey, it doesn't hurt if I fucking wipe my ass on your seat, you can wipe it off. Okay. Well, that's, that's at some point. At some point, decorum matters. Whether or not you're causing bodily or emotional injury to somebody—that's—that's that's my, that's the way I live my life, and that's the way I will die. Doing things the right way and failing, at life, and comedy. Anywho, uh, then we got a lift, and it was a complicated endeavor to get the the lift uh, the pickup because it's such a fucking shit show at MetLife Stadium. But um, driver, oh shit, I didn't tip him. Fuck! I gotta tip him. He was he was a good driver. Uh, he said he if he, he didn't know there was a game, or else he would have turned his thing off because it's the traffic just to get into the stadium was much more horrific than getting out of the stadium. Oddly enough, um, and the man had breath that um, breath that kills. Um, I'm I'm sorry, sir, but you you're like his car smelled well, and then when he started talking to me, I I was overpowered with the disgusting smell of his breath. But he was a good driver, and I, I actually forgot to tip him. So I'm going to open up the Lyft app after this podcast and give him a nice tip for putting up with four rambunctious teenagers and a and a, a giant who kept turning away when he would talk because his breath was fucking disgusting. So that's that. And then uh, review time. It's the review time. Bim, 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 bim. I'm hating it. That would be the theme song for my review show. But I want to talk about two shows, both on Paramount+. Plus. Get with it if you're not. Because Maverick, Top Gun Maverick is going there exclusively at the end of the month. And I'm going to watch that shit because the goat deserves it. Um, I finished up Evil from the creators of The Good Fight. Yeah, Michael C., my Australian fan. Uh, Evil's from those creators. And I stuck with it. It's like a good show, but it's not a great show. And I was kind of deceived by the critical praise. Because the first season, which has probably had the most reviews, was 92%. Then the second season was 95%, and the third season was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that seems like improvement, but I feel like probably only positive critics return to like keep reviewing subsequent seasons. So I feel like when you see that trajectory, you should really only take the first season as gospel, because it's probably just fans of the show coming back and be like, when I heard that season three was back, I was very excited it's it's like a good show but i don't think it's a great show and i may stick with it it's it's got good performances and like there's some episodes i really like and some episodes where i'm like this isn't that frightening it's more goofy sometimes um but i i'd be lying if i said i wasn't a little disappointed like i expected it to sort of improve and it kind of stayed the same it was like this is a good show but i kind of stuck with it because i thought it was going to improve i was fooled by the increasing increasingly high rating on rotten rotten tomatoes so you know that's that but i wouldn't i guess i wouldn't recommend it because there's so much king out there that i don't want to just say yeah uh spend the next 24 hours of your viewing time watching the 36 episodes of evil but now that i'm done with it obviously it wouldn't be as big a lift when it comes back next year week by week to just be like, yeah i can watch a 45 minute episode of this to see what happens but I wouldn't recommend, if you haven't watched it, I would say, like, it's not worth your time to just block out other shows and binge three seasons of evil. So sorry, evil. I'll continue watching, but you don't get the JL seal of go watch this. Sorry, not sorry. And then, here is a sorry. A mea culpa. A covan mea culpa. Now, I tweeted and discussed the offer on Paramount+, Plus, which is the 10-part series of uh dramatization of the making of the godfather and i quit after about three minutes because one of the first lines in the show was a guy going leave the cannoli and i was like nope too much of a corny homage to the godfather how dare you and i just quit and then i looked at rotten tomatoes and i was like oh and this isn't even getting good reviews it's like in the mid 50s that's like that's like that's horrible for a show and then i just said i felt i was feeling it and last night i sat down with the righteous gf We just finished dinner. And I said, I know we just started Andor. We're two episodes into Andor. um, But I said, I kind of want to, I don't know why. I kind of want to try the offer again. And we watched two episodes last night and I'm all in. And I know there's some, and I even pointed out for my own integrity, I had to pause it and say, you see that line? That was a little, little, little hammy, a little fucking cheesy. And like they're, they're forcing, they're trying to like really walk you through some stuff. But by the end of the second episode, I was like, I'm all in. I'm actually so blinded with my enjoyment that I won't I probably won't even be as critical as I should because I'm just like, oh my God, I love the Godfather and they're fucking making it and this is so good. So I'm now enjoying it. So now by next week, you'll probably have a review of and or and and or the offer. How about that? Bars? So um that's it. So I'm enjoying the offer two episodes in and I feel like I'm I'm giving you giving it away that I'm probably too biased to ever just be like this sucks. They did stupid. I'm just like now I'm all in and I want to watch more. So Andor and Or the Offer getting reviewed next week. Um and uh that's it guys. That's this has been a chock full episode of of highs and lows, laughter and tears anger and joy so thank you for listening if you haven't give the show five stars on apple podcasts i just need to reiterate in 2018 and the first iteration of the righteous prick podcast i had 200 ratings now two hundred thousand fans and followers later the new iteration of the righteous pk podcast 194 ratings i don't know how that's possible but it is in in God, all things are possible. And in JL, all comedy things are not possible. No, no things are possible. In God, all is possible. And in JL's comedy, nothing is possible. So it'd be nice to get over 200 ratings uh, for that. Check out the Patreon if you're feeling the Christmas spirit. But more importantly than generosity is if you're feeling like you want to laugh and you're missing a lot of what I've produced, both podcastly and videoly, then go go join it. But if not, so be it. It's another week, some more bullshit. Hope to see at some of these shows. I hope you're preparing for the holiday season nicely. I hope your day is going well. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're happy. And I will see you next Tuesday.